Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Please be seated. Hallelujah. I believe you will be changed today. Uh, I hope that you like me after this message. Although I'm not here to preach so that you like me. I'm here to preach because God has put something on my heart to say to you. And then I hope after that said that you still like me. (laughs) Hallelujah. So whenever I'm here or any place with Brother Jerry, uh, ministering with him, or any time he chooses to share a pulpit with me, or Pastor Justin, I consider it a great honor and a great privilege. And uh, he's not here this morning, but in his absence, I give him honor for everything that he is to me and everything he does for me. And for all of us. Amen. And I'm glad Justin is the pastor here because he's a good man and he's a good pastor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, they're a team. They're a team. <clears throat> but uh, I, have a, I have an assignment in the beginning of this message that the Lord wants me to do. And so I need to just honor Miss Carolyn. And the Lord wants me to do something for Miss Carolyn this morning. He was, early this morning I was awake, Miss Carolyn, and he wanted me to pray for you and get the whole church involved in praying for you. So if you'll come stand with me, please, ma'am. Just let me hug you here. And uh, I'd like you all just to stretch out your hands towards Miss Carolyn. And we're just going to pray for her. Father, we pray that in this season of her life, you would bless her. You would increase her. And we pray that maximum health would be upon her. From the top of her body to the soles of her feet. Your God kind of health would rest upon her body in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Father, that you restore and bring to maximum everything that is in her soul, in her spirit life. Everything that she touches will cause her joy, bring her peace, bring her a great deal of satisfaction in her life as she just draws close to you and you draw close to her. Father, we pray that all the years that she has sacrificed, all of the giving she has given to your people, everything, it now begins to wave into her life. Rolls, wave after wave after wave, blessing upon blessing upon blessing, just rolls into her life, Father. And she'll be able to stand up and say, can't stand it anymore, it's just so good for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We love you, Miss Carolyn. We love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Justin and Annette, I need to pray for you. If you'll just stand, please. Hallelujah, if I may have your hands. Father, you've asked me to pray this today. And I pray... That is as is the desire of their lives, that they would pursue you with everything that they have. And that you would impart to them the gifts, the graces, the anointings and the callings that they need upon them as they go forward in their life. I'm praying this 
as your servant. I'm praying as a servant to them and a servant to this ministry. I'm praying as a servant of prayer that my prayers will get answered because you asked me to pray this over their lives today. In the name of Jesus, may it be so. May it be so. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, there's, there's some things that God is going to do in the service today that uh, I had to do that because of what God's going to do. Amen. And so, uh, part of what God has had me ministering over some time is, if we're going to get to the maximum, and we're going to go to the highest level attainable, then there are some things that we need to be intentional about. Going to the maximum is not just going to happen because it's been prophesied. Going to the maximum, Brother Jerry's been teaching that to you and to many other people for a long time. Going to the maximum is going to take determination, it's going to take focus, it's going to take consistent application. The way the Lord began to minister to me is that it is, it's going to need intentionality. You're going to have to be intentional about it, and you're going to have to do something intentional. So if you're intentional, it means you turn your attention, you strain and you stretch. You strain and you stretch. So that's not just something that you wait to happen. Because if you're sitting on a couch, you don't have to strain and stretch for nothing. Right? Or maybe the cold drink. Uh. But if, if, you have to, if you have to reach and strain and stretch with great intensity, then you're putting yourself in the right posture. So it means to direct your attention and to give heed to something. You must give your attention to it. Be zealous, stretch out and extend towards. It has this sense of having a plan. Not just talking about it, you have to have a plan. So you first have to admit to yourself that you have to be intentional. If you don't admit to yourself that you have to be intentional, you might hear a message like this this morning, and you say, yes, I live an intentional life. And maybe you do. But living an intentional life just brought you here. Being intentional about the maximum and going to the highest level attainable requires a new level of intentional. A new level of stretching. A new level of straining. A new level of pressing forward to something with intensity. And you've got to keep up that intensity until you start to see what you want to see. It has the implication of involving a lot of work or activity, sometimes because of its intensity over a short period of time. But it sometimes will require a longer period of time. The intention is that, or the implication is that you keep the intention, intentionality until you see it. Yeah. 
You don't wait and you, you keep going until you see it. Perhaps a good description would be someone who's pregnant and it's time to deliver a baby. I would say a woman like that is intentional. Wouldn't you? I mean, she would be intentional. This baby's coming. I got to get this baby out. Let's talk about a natural birth for a minute. Just for the sake of... If you're doing a natural birth, as women over the ages needed to do, you would have to be very, very intentional. And that intensity, that stretching, that straining, that giving all of... There's no other focus. There's nothing else that matters. You may love your husband, the one who put the baby inside of you. You may love him dearly. You might have had intimacy which brought you there. Shut up, you. Get out of my face. But I'm your babe. I'm delivering a baby. Intense. You know, it's like anybody that dares to intrude into your space, they'll get whipped one way or another. Because this is a moment. This is, and this is, this moment is so precious, it's so real, it's got the result that's coming, and nothing can wait for it. So we need to have a level of intentionality that's like that. I'm going after the maximum. I'm going after the highest level attainable. And I'm going to be so intentional about it as someone that's got to get this thing done. And I can't wait till next year and I can't wait till another five years. I've got to get this done now. And I'm going to stay focused and I'm going to... And anybody who comes into my world that's got something to say about my intentionality, speak to the hand. Speak to the hand. I don't want to hear your words. I don't want to hear it. Whoa, but you're just being downright unsociable. Yeah. I'm delivering something. I've got something coming. I'm not going to wait. I'm here, man. I don't, I don't like your intensive tone with me right now. So what? So what? If you were delivering a baby like me, you'd have the same tone with me. So the fact that you're having that conversation tells me you're not that intentional yet. I don't like what you say. Speak to the hand. Hallelujah. Glory. You know, for years the Lord has had me ministering about uh, what's the point of being a Christian? What's the point of being a Christian? So if your answer is in your head, so that I can go to heaven, well, that's a good reason. It's not the reason. It's a good reason. Going to heaven is a lot better than going to hell. Right? The reason you become a Christian is so that you can become spiritual. Why would you become a Christian and not become spiritual? You have to be honest with yourself about this. 
Are you intentionally being spiritual? Or are you just okay with being a Christian? Well, uh, pastor, I go to church every Sunday. I even serve in the church. I even do things, you know, that some people would say, I tithe, I serve, I do different things. I'm a good Christian. Did you just hear yourself? I'm a good Christian. I would dare to say that the Holy Spirit is drawing you to be spiritual. He's been put on the earth so that you can become spiritual. Be a Christian, of course, but be spiritual. So what's the point of being spiritual? Why would you want to be spiritual? I mean, if we're all going to become spiritual, why? And you have to be honest about your answer. Because spiritual people know how to bring what's the will of the Father to the earth. It's not Christians. You know, Christians are people that love Jesus, but they cause train wrecks wherever they go. Don't they? They mess up churches. They mess up relationships. They mess up money issues. They mess up pastors' lives and callings. Come on. Christians do a lot of damage. Christians do a lot of damage. Spiritual people, their focus is what can I do? How can I be led by the Spirit to bring the will of the Father into any given situation? Spiritual people, that's their focus. I'm not here to serve me, my agenda, feel comfortable. Church must serve me. Church must just be like that for me. If it's not like that for me, you won't see me for a couple of Sundays so I can prove a point to you. (laughs) Improve it, pastor. Do better, pastor. Do you still like me? Spiritual people are seeking the will of the Father. They're worshipping the Father. You know, they might actually sound like faith people. Because what is the mark of a faith person? A faith person is someone that doesn't speak his emotions or her emotions. Doesn't speak what the world says. A faith person speaks what he hears the Father say and what what the Bible says. Hold on a minute, now you're in danger of bringing the will of the Father to the earth. To your life and to others. So why don't you say with me, let's be intentional to be spiritual. That's much better than say, I want to be a good Christian. Too many of those in the world, I'm sorry to say. 
And then when you dig a little bit deeper, maybe they're not such good Christians. They just like to think they're good Christians. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And I'm sure you even understand that through my English. You know, uh, Pastor Sharon, my wife, and she sends her love, by the way. If I didn't say that, and she's going to probably be watching now. You know, uh, I'd be in trouble when I get home. But Pastor Sharon sends her love to you. You, You are our family. But Pastor Sharon and I have pressed into God for on a number of different things in our lives personally and in our ministry. And one of the things that we endeavor to do is to pray. I believe it was Smith Wheelsworth that said, or it could be Charles Finney, probably Charles Finney, if I think about it now. It was Charles Finney that said, the hardest service to keep alive in a church is a prayer meeting. We, both Sharon and I have been privileged to go to Yonggi Cho's church in South Korea. And uh, we spent a couple of weeks there and we decided to go to Prayer Mountain. And uh, we recognized that there was a strong spirit of prayer on his life and his ministry. And we wanted to go and find out what's that all about. And uh, there are some things that we learned. We went into a church service, and they have, that time anyway, they had six services a day. And uh, the first service is the one that we attended. About an hour before the church service starts, the church is packed. That means uh, all of you would already be here. An hour before church starts. And the people that are in the first service are there an hour before church starts, And they are not having conversations or chatting about the weekend. They come and they sit down and they pray. And there's a pastor standing on the front. And he's leading them in different things of prayer. And uh, so we don't understand. They have an interpreter. Then the interpreter will say for the English. Because only some of the services have have live interpreters or you can put things in your ears. And, and so we then got to understand. They're praying for this and they're praying for their nation and they're praying for the service and they're praying for different things over the hour. And so I'm going to ask my South African uh, people that are flowing with me that we're going to... I thought that was my alarm and I thought, no, I've got more time than that. <laughs> I'm going to just ask you to join me to pray in the spirit for a, for a topic. And so we do this every week. We have a prayer meeting and we do this every week. We pray for Brother Jerry, Miss Carolyn, for the ministry, everything that surrounds them in our church prayer meeting. And we pray that God would release everything through him that needs to be released, that he would be protected in everything that he needs protection, that health and healing is his, that all of the prosperity and everything that needs to happen in his ministry 
and in all of his family and all of you will happen. That's what we pray. When we have declared what we pray, we just jump into praying in the Spirit. So I don't want you all to join me. I just want the South Africans to join me. Okay? Let's pray in the Spirit. for the sake of this service, I'm going to stop them. I'd like you to notice a few things. They didn't get up and walk around. They sat here. They focused. They know what they're praying for. They prepared. They're ready to be spiritual. Amen. At Yongi's Church Church, they do that for one hour before the church starts. I wonder what would happen if you all showed up at church for even a half an hour and said, come, let's pray for the service. Let's pray for Pastor Justin. Let's pray for Brother Jerry. Let's pray for the Saval family. I wonder what would happen. I'm too busy. You know, Sunday morning is my time. It's the only time I've got to just chill out on a Sunday morning, not have to get up too early, go to work. It's my time. You're imposing on my time, Pastor John. I hear your intentionality. I do. I hear intentionality. What are you intentional about doing? You're intentional of looking after yourself. Right? Because you just had to make a choice. So I think I'll be intentional. I'll just look after me. I'm intent to look after me. Don't mess with my time. That sounds like a woman giving labor. Don't mess with me. This is my time. On a Sunday morning, you want to mess with my time, Pastor? Pastor Justin, I'm not saying you must do this on a Sunday morning. I'm just using it as an example. But if you choose to use it, I'll support you, brother. Oh, no. This man comes from South Africa trying to tell us Americans what to do. Uh, You know, what does he know about us? I know who you are. 
We are the same people all over the world. If we want to do stuff for ourselves, we do stuff for ourselves. But when God says do something intentionally, then it's time to be intentional. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to change rhythm for a minute for effect. Are you ready? Just for effect. Well, I'll tell you what, God wants to bless you financially. God wants to increase you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to heal you. God wants to bring a whole lot of goodness to you. He wants to assure you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to bring you hope. He wants to give you good things in your life. Blessing is upon this house. Favor is upon this house. The glory of God is in this church. Hallelujah. You like that? It's a whole lot better than telling me to be intentional. You see, you want to know about all the benefits that God's got for you, but you don't want to do the intentional stuff to get it. So now what now? You see, if I come here and I say, I want to tell you I've got a word. God's going to bless you. God's going to raise you. God's going to increase you. And he's going to do all of that. This is the year of the maximum. This is the year. But how do you think it's possible that you could get to the end of the year and you don't see maximum? Is it possible that you get to the end of the year and you say, I don't see a whole lot changed in my life. I mean, I hear some people saying they got this and they did that and But me, why is it? Why is it? Oh, that church, they say that things are going to happen and they don't happen to me. I'll go find another church. Because they say things are going to happen, doesn't happen, it's their fault. Because it can't be your fault. Because you're a good Christian. (laughs) You're a good Christian. Afterwards, I'm going to have a healing line for people that got slapped by the Holy Spirit (laughs) for being a good Christian. Hallelujah. Because we don't just want to be good Christians. We want to be spiritual. Because you see, a spiritual person will go into a supermarket and just be led to take $50 out of your pocket and give it to somebody and pray with them and say, this is from Jesus. Can I pray for salvation for you? Can I pray for blessing? A spiritual Christian will know someone needs healing and they need to be prayed for. A spiritual Christian will look for someone to preach the gospel to. A spiritual Christian will walk into their home and the Holy Spirit warns you beforehand, your mother-in-law is going to get antsy today. And she's going to be right on chirpy in your face. And so when she gets up in your face, you just smile and say, Mom, I love you. 
And then she's going to look at you and say, who's this guy that keeps, you know, he's always got a sarcastic remark at me. And today, he just loves me. Because a spiritual man says, hey, I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to, I'm just going to speak love to mom. A good Christian will have a lot to say about mom. Ouch. I'm changing the subject. In Genesis chapter 1, and I'm just going to read little bits of, of, of uh, the scripture to you, if you don't mind. Genesis, for time's sake, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. God said. Right? God said. Let's make man. Let's make him and let's make him like us. And let them have dominion. So God, based on what he said, he did. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he made them. He said it, and then he created it. You think he could have created it without him saying it? I'm glad you know that. So, if you want to be intentional, then you must. You've got to say it. And then you've got to say what you're going to be intentional about. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. If you're intentional and you say it, God blesses it and you become fruitful and you multiply. Verse 29, and God said, see, I have given you. Yeah. And in verse 30, and it was so. I think God was pretty intentional about the way he did things here. Right? And it turned out good. So I ask you, do you want things to turn out good? Obviously, we all want good. I don't think you get up in the morning and say, gee, can I have a real bad day today? Well, unless you're a good Christian. <laughs> Let me phone up that pastor and tell him what I think of him. Because yesterday he'd walk right past me and didn't even say hello to me. About to have a bad day. Amen. Okay. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, he was more cunning than any beast of the field. And he comes along and he says to the woman, and he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Has God said? Has God said? One of the greatest tragedies of being a Christian and not being spiritual, and you even have this challenge when you are a spiritual person, 
is that the devil will try and bring a doubt to you for everything that God has said to you. And God has clearly spoken this was the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable. And he will come and try and lie to you. Has God said it? If he can't get you to disbelieve it, he's going to ask you another question. How's it going to happen? How can it happen to me? It's all, of course it happens to Brother Jerry, but how's it going to happen to me? Well, I've got news for you. Brother Jerry has to use his faith in the same way you have to. I have to do that. Pastor Justin has to do that. We have to all use our faith in the same way everybody. Brother Copeland has to do that. Believe it or not, he does. Yeah. There's not a faith man that has lived that doesn't have to live in faith every day. And the enemy will constantly bombard you with thoughts of, has God said? How is it going to happen or how is it not going to happen? And so Jesus gives us the answer. Matthew 3 verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4 verse 2 and 3. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God. The last encounter was, this is my beloved son. First thing he says to him, if you are the son of God. Then command these stones become bread. Okay, I think Jesus was intentional about getting something to eat. If you fasted 40 days, you know, we think, we think that if you've had breakfast in the morning and you get to 12 o'clock, we think you're hungry. I say skip breakfast, skip lunch, and skip dinner. And skip it for three days. And then you'll find out what hungry is. So Jesus did it for 40 days. And uh, his body was sustained in part by his own intimacy with the Father. But in the natural, he was still a man. And his body was talking to him. If you don't eat now, you're in danger Your body's in physical danger of not having enough energy to survive. And so hunger pains come back and you need to eat. And what does Jesus do? He answers the biggest question. If you are the son of God, command these. He didn't have to prove anything to the devil. Let me tell you, in your faith walk this year, in going for the maximum and going for the highest level attainable, you don't have to prove to the the devil anything. You don't have to prove anything to anybody else. You just got to be intentional and go after it. And Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 says, But he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word. This sounds like a spiritual man speaking. 
Then Jesus said in verse 7, It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Ah, this is just a, something that I saw in the word. You can take it if you like. Two times Jesus just spoke the word. When thoughts came to his mind, voices came to him, doubts came to him, temptation came to him, he spoke the word. But I want you to see what happened in the third time. In the third time, Jesus says, Get away from me, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. The third time he said, I'm not tolerating your intrusion into my intentionality anymore. Get out of my face. See, when you're intentional, you just know that there's a level of authority that comes with it. And there's a lot spoken about the authority of the believer. The authority of someone who can walk in faith. If you're intentional about your walk with God, that authority begins to become yours because you're now focused. You are intense like a lady giving birth, a woman giving birth. You are intense. Get out of my face. Don't mess with me. Don't come. I'm focused here. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't even want to know what the doctors have to say, the so-called experts. I'm bringing this baby along. Get out of my face. <laughs> Sounds like Jesus had that kind of attitude with the devil. I'm about to get something done with my heavenly father now, and you've just said your last few words to me. Get out of my face. When those thoughts come into your mind, when those doubts come into you, you say, get out of my face, leave me alone, leave me alone. A word says, the word says, the word says he's going to bless me. The word says I am blessed, I am the blessed of the Lord. The word says that I, as I love him, all of his benefits belong to me. I love the way Brother Jerry actually talks about this. He, he often says this when he goes out of home. He talks to favor, he talks to blessing, he talks to things and he says, blessing, favor, increase, prosperity, come follow me. Come follow me. I'm going out of the house now, come follow me. What's he being? What's he doing? He's being intentional. I know what it takes for this to happen, so I'm going to talk to my circumstances and declare that these things will go before me and they get on me when I get there. So you think that the just summer happens. He's intentional about his life. He's intentional about his walk with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, one of the things that God uh, has really blessed me to be able to communicate about is relationships. So one of the things that Pastor Sharon and I are doing this year, because the maximum is here, and uh, we want to reach the highest level attainable in our relationship, our marriage. Yeah. I've been married 43 years to the same girl. I'm madly in love with her. Madly in love with her. 
she is. Besides Jesus, she's. These, these people from South Africa, they know. They know. Get between me and my girl, I get intentional. So the Lord, the Lord, over the years, the Lord has taught me some, some lessons. And uh, one of the things that he told me a long time ago was, John, don't allow a gap to form. Don't let gaps form. Don't let there be a gap between you and your wife. And so now I'm just putting it to you in different words because I, I didn't quite see it that way then. But he caused me to be intentional about closing the gap. So he, he began to show me how to close the gap. And actually it came through somebody that taught at, at the Rama Tulsa, at the Bible school at Rama. And uh, we happened to hear one of his tapes on relationships. And, and he gave people this advice. He said, now you're not going to want to follow this advice. But if you'll do this, it will change your marriage. He said, what you need to do is tell your marriage partner that uh, they are marvelous, wonderful, and uh, words I wouldn't normally use. You know, uh, precious valuable to me. So, Sharon, I listened to the message and so we started to have a conversation. Do we need to listen to this message? Well, he's obviously a messenger from God sent to give us a message. So, if we don't listen to his message, then how many messages will we choose not to listen to? So if we want to take messengers that bring messages to us seriously, then we have to take this one seriously. So, Sharon, you are valuable and precious to me. I love you. I adore you. You're valuable and precious to me. She would look at me and say, John, I adore you. You're valuable and precious to me. Now, we both knew. We're only saying that because he told us to say that. <laughs> There's no lovey-dovey romance involved in these words. This is pure obedience. But we were exercising intentionality to obey what someone told us would bring results because it's founded on the Word of God. Because we were so young into the faith message at that time that we didn't know what he was actually telling us. Speak faith with words to each other and it will create. So we said, all right, we're going to do this morning and lunchtime on the phone and nighttime. So when I was at work at lunchtime, we didn't have cell phones those days. You still had to do those kind of phones, you know, phone each other. I just want to tell you, you're valuable and precious to me, and I adore you. And I'm at work. All kinds of rubbish going on around me. But I'm intentional about speaking words. When I get home at night, 
intentionally. I grab her, look into her eyes. I love you. I adore you. You're valuable to me. You're precious to me. And she would say the same back. Okay, off we go. It doesn't guarantee sex. There's no motive involved in that other than closing the gap. So then we found something's changing in our hearts. When we started to have arguments and we started to have things, we found it more difficult to express our... hmm. Because the words that were coming out of our mouths were creating something inside of us that God was using to build a love, an appreciation, a preciousness, a value. And so obviously we're also humans and we have word wars. And none of you know Pastor Sharon like this because the word has changed her. But in the early years of our marriage. (laughs) Yeah. People look at us now and say, oh, your marriage was made in heaven. You're just so compatible. Yeah, right. (laughs) One day we were having a fairly fierce argument and she walked into the kitchen and there was a mug on on the table and it said, the world's best husband. And she grabbed a hold of that mug and she hurled it into the wall. And I think that mug is still sticking in that wall. World's best husband. Yeah. (laughs) Another day we were having an argument. I went into the room. Closed the door. Oh, you're closing the door. She just kicked the hole right through the door. (laughs) And I'll stop right there. (laughs) Here's what I'm trying to tell you. That as people, as people, we were as susceptible to human emotions and circumstantial conditions as anybody else. As people who were endeavoring to be intentionally spiritual, we started to say things what we wanted to become, not what we were. And so we just kept the discipline of speaking words to each other. And now we found out that when we were having these word wars, we didn't want to have them like that anymore. And it started to hurt us and it started to make us feel uncomfortable that we can say that you're valuable and precious and at the same time run you down. And so then we decided to step up our speaking words of valuable and precious and adoration to each other more times, as often as we could. And the more we did it, we found less words of the argument type would come out of our mouths. And now we started to find we wanted to sit down and speak the word to each other and have the love of God and the Spirit of God resolve our differences. It's not uncommon at being married for 43 years that people see us coming and they say, here come the honeymoon couple. We went to Brother Copeland uh, International Believers Conference in Birmingham, 
when we'd been married 15 years, we went there for our honeymoon, special vacation. How many of you go to a believers conference for your honeymoon? That was intentional. Because we wanted to go and fill our lives with the word. Because our lives depend on the word. I said to the Lord, I want to have a marriage like heaven wants me to have. Not by what I see. I have a heavenly marriage. I do. I've been married 43 years and I have a heavenly marriage. And if this embarrasses you, I'm sorry. I probably have more sex than most people here and I've been married 43 years. (laughs) 43 years I've been married. And all the women say, oh, Jesus, no, not this man coming here today. <laughs> and all the men say, preach it, brother, preach it. <laughs> but you see, this relationship didn't start at 43 years. This relationship started right in the beginning where we started to close the gap with words, we started to close the gap with words, we started to close the gap with words, then the words led to action, and now when you come and you go into, I came into her space, I would hug her, and at first, you know, she would resist my affection. And so I got a bit uh, uptight about that. Like, what's going on here? I just want to hug you. She says, I think every time you want to hug me, you're telling me you want sex. I said, well, Sharon, that's not really why I hug you. I said, I hug you because I'm affectionate. It's part, in the modern day world, we didn't know the book hadn't been written yet. Part of my love language is affection. So that's what I do. I said, I like to just hold you and tell you I love you. I'm not asking for sex when I hug you. I want to hold your hand in the mall. I want to put my arm around you. When I come home and my boys are watching, I want to give you a big fat kiss. Because I want them to see how much I adore you. Huh? Intentional relationships. If you don't start somewhere, you can't get anywhere. And you're listening to a relationship that has got a lot of fruit in it. And all the young people and all the people that are in our church, their fruit is all demonstrating in their marriages. They love to have me talk like this. They're used to having me talk like this because they're getting it more than they used to. Why? Why is it happening? This is not because some other you know, worldly something is happening, it's because words are creating it. So if I got up here today and I say, come on guys, let's, God's finances are coming, prosperity is coming, blessings coming, healing's coming, you're going to say, yes brother, preach it brother. I say, come on, relationship is getting better. You say, hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I want maximum in that. I got news for you. 
If you want to be intentional about everything else changing in your life, you have to be intentional about closing the gap with Jesus. You got to close the gap with Jesus. If you just say, I want the gap with Jesus to stay the way I've always done it, then you're just a good Christian. Because good Christians can live with a gap. I close it on Sunday. I close it on my, when I give my tithes. And I close it a couple of other times a month. I close the gap. That's good enough for me. But Jesus is standing over here and he says, hey, I closed the gap on the cross. I sent the Holy Ghost to close the gap. He's living inside of you. He's calling you. Every day he's calling you. Every day he's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's saying, come on, come on, talk to me. And then you just wake up in the morning and you've got a thick head because you had too much sugar last night. Huh. Right? And you wake up and you say, oh, I don't feel like doing this. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You start like this. You say, thank you, Lord, that I'm awake. There's a whole bunch of people that don't wake up in the day. They die in their sleep. When you wake up in the morning, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm awake. Thank you, Lord, I'm awake. That's all you got to start with. Thank you, Lord, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. And I've got you in my life and I thank you. You can say that. Thank you, Lord, I'm awake. The minute you start talking, he shows up. He's closing the gap. He's closing the gap. He's closing the gap. Let's help. Let's help. Let's help. And then the Holy Ghost comes up inside of you. Wow. Suddenly you've got a prayer time going. And your husband or your wife might be asleep next to you in the bed. And they might be snoring. You say, thank you, Jesus, for his snoring. Thank you, Jesus, for her snoring. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why? They're awake. They're alive. Who knows what might happen if you thank God that they're alive in the morning. They might stop snoring. Well, that sounds rather impossible given the age and all that kind. If you say so. If you say so. The impossible won't happen. But if you say so, it's just going to be the kind of thing when God closes the gap. He says, okay, you close the gap. Let me show you some favor. Let me just show you. Not, you don't even have to ask for it. Just let me show you some favor. You thank God for this guy snoring next to you every day. Let me show you what I can do. And then one night you wake up after your husband's awake. What happened? I slept through. He stopped snoring. Well, you know, that seems impossible. Well, go for the maximum. Go for the maximum. This is the year. If there's any time, this is the time. The word of the Lord has been spoken. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Be intentional about it. Hallelujah. This is my alarm. So I've got a few more things to say. Would you give me five more minutes? Oh, you guys are so kind. Thank you. Uh, you know what they say? If you give me a finger, I'll take it. No. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
you know, when Timothy was going through some very difficult times, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to him and encouraged him how to get through the difficult times. And he said, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength. This is the Passion Translation, by the way. Found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with Him. Can I say that again? Timothy, my dear son, Live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace. If you are intentional, you will find that His grace is empowering you to do it. If you close the gap with God, you'll find that He gives you the grace for it. And it might not happen overnight, but if you stay intentional, it will happen. And all that, sorry, I'm going to read it again. Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength. Don't try and count on your own strength. You don't have what it takes to fix yourself. It's only the grace of God that can fix you. And you don't have the grace that it takes to fix your pastor. Despite what you good Christians think, you don't have the grace to fix your pastor. You don't have the grace to even fix your partner, your spouse. If you could have, you would have. Long time ago. Seems like there's a whole lot of controversy about that issue going on here. And so, so you, got to, you find this anointing of Jesus in your union with Him. And all that you have learned from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, pass on to faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregation the same revelation. The same revelation. Now, obviously... Uh, Brother Jerry is the apostle of this house. He is also the apostle of Heritage of Faith South Africa. We recognize him as the apostle. We receive his teachings as our apostle. And he brings correction and any guidance that he needs to bring to my life and to our congregation anytime. Brother Jerry is our apostle. So, as an apostle, you should receive everything that he says. And be intentional about doing it and going for it. Many, many years ago, we were in a a very large church in South Africa. And uh, the church was 25,000 people. And uh, we got to here, and it was connected to Brother Kenneth Hagin. And... uh, we, we got to hear that Brother Hagen had prophesied a five-year prophecy. Uh, and we didn't hear anything in our local church. But we had heard it on tape. So we just said, 
we are part of that family, so we can take that prophecy for us. And so every year, there was something that was going to happen. It was something like in 1980, and I'm just remembering one or two, because it was a long time ago, like 1987, you will feel like the doors of heaven or, or this, uh, heaven has come. 97 will be the year of heaven. Something like that, he said. Five years. We took the prophecy. There was a lot of people, good Christians, <laughs> that, heard this, that either heard it or didn't hear it. I don't know. We decided we're going to do this prophecy. Everything the prophet said came to pass in our lives. For five years. And we would start talking to people about it and they say, where did you get that? We don't know. We haven't seen any change. For five years. Then he had another prophecy for another five years. We did everything that he said. And it all happened to us. Because we were so intentional about it, I can tell you that there would be hundreds of thousands of people that would want to be part of Jerry Savell Ministries. Those tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, they're not here. I am. Why do you suppose God said, okay, John, I'll let you do this? Because we were intentional. But I didn't know that was going to happen until some years later. We were doing the Word of God. We were living the Word of God. We were closing the gap. We were doing things for 10 years before we saw any signs that God might have a plan. You see, you don't know what's going to happen when you start to close the gap. You don't know how it's going to happen always. But that's not your job. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to show you how to make it happen. So finally, I have one last thing I want to say. Just like the apostle wrote to Timothy and he said, give it to others that can teach the people the same message. So you have a pastor who is instructed to teach you the same message. And I want to encourage you. Don't be an obstacle creator. Be a problem solver. You know, it's so easy to sit in church and criticize something. Let me tell you, it's easy, man. I mean, you could be sitting here today and say, that pastor, he came to preach in jeans. Who does he think he is? You know, you don't know that actually for some reason I uh, didn't bring smart pants with me because I had spent most of my time riding bikes. And I almost rocked up in my chariot's gear today, but then I thought I'm on a Sunday church service. The fact that I have a jacket and a tie on is a miracle. It's intentional. I had to go and buy it. Out of honor and respect. 
for where I am. So if you sat there saying, oh, he showed up in jeans. I don't like the fact that the guy comes and prays. You don't know my circumstances. And it would be so easy to criticize. But when I tell you the story, oh, that's okay. That's not so bad. He was actually, oh, you know. It's so easy to say stuff. So easy to say stuff. And when you say stuff, what does it do? It creates a gap. It creates a gap between you and your pastor. It creates a gap between the leaders of the church. It creates a gap between you and the people you're talking to. Oh, well, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just saying it to myself. That's why you're schizophrenic. (laughs) You are a multiple personality. Because one side of you says, and the other side of you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you come to church on Sunday, you don't know which one to be. And the Bible says, let not someone that is so double-minded in all his ways think he's going to receive anything from the Lord. And so now you've gone from not receiving anything from the Lord to saying, I want everything. I want to go to the maximum. I want to go. And you say, well, how am I going to get there? Just change the words, close the gap, get between, get with God. Get with God. Say, I'm going to close the gap with God. I'm going to close the gap between me and my pastors. And I'm going to close the gap between me and my church congregation members. We're going to speak good words to each other. We're going to speak maximum words to each other. We're going to speak life words. Highest level attainable words. We're not going to speak, oh, but did you hear what they did to President Trump? Shut up about that. Give it over to God. You say, do you know what God's doing on the earth? It's His timetable. It's His power. It's His glory. It's His honor. It's His time. It's His church that we've got to become. I got news for you. When you start to close the gap with God and you start to close the gap here, you become power. You become the power. You want more power in your life and in your church. This is how you get it. Don't shut me down if I'm going to say something controversial now. If you come to the front and I pray for you, and you fall under the power, it's a sign that God has touched you. If you get up from that, and you go outside, and you talk words that close the gap, that open the gap, you just lost what God did. And so then we start to look like a church where people always coming up for prayer, fall under the power, boom, they're down, they're down, they're getting encounters. Oh, look at the church service we had. And they get outside there and they start talking about Trump and the government and Biden and this and that. And there's a whole lot of opinions that are being spoken. He said, but it's our right to do that. Well, it's your right to create a gap with God. So just for this year, why don't you say I'm going to quit talking about all that stuff and I'm just going to focus on closing the gap with my spouse. I'm going to close my gap with my children, my family, my brothers, my sisters, my pastor, my church. I'm going to close the gap. I'm going to be intentional about closing the gap. And opportunities start to 
Yeah, and you must be awake to opportunities because opportunities start to arise and suddenly you say something and you do something. Oh, look at that. It's closing the gap. Look at that. It's closing the gap. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Won't you stand with me, please? I got, I got one last exercise I want to do with you. Are you ready to do close the gap exercise? So now I'm going to show you, I'm just going to show you how used to we have become to the gap. And I'm going to ask you to not clap your hands. Don't clap your hands. Just praise the Lord with your mouth. I'm going to time you for 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I'm a good Christian. I can do that. Let's see. Let's see. Are you ready? No clapping. No clapping. Just praise the Lord with your mouth for 30 seconds. I'm just looking for my second hand here. So I don't want to, I don't want to crook you out of some seconds here. I suppose it would help if I do that. Okay. Go. Stop. Stop. That was 30 seconds. You see how powerful it can be if you don't clap. Because now you're being intentional about words. Clapping is good. I'm not saying you, I'm not speaking against clapping. I'm just saying we've become so used to I'm going to praise Jesus now. And your mouth is closed. But it's your words that close the gap. Now we're going to practice closing the gap a bit more. I'm just going to do this one last time, Pastor Justin. We're going to do it for a minute. This time I'm not going to stop you and we'll see what happens. All right, go. Twenty seconds to go.
Yes, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Come on. Now come on. I, I just wanna I just wanna make I just wanna make a point here. This church sounded dangerously close to the upper room. Because you see, when you begin to give praise like that, you are coming from your spirit, it's words coming out of your mouth. And you are begin to, beginning to be spiritual. Not just a good Christian. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. That in the week, just do it for a week. And then see where it will go. Wake up in the morning, close the gap with Jesus. Praise Him. Thank Him. When you're driving in the car, turn the radio off. Praise Him. Thank Him. If you want to listen to praise and worship music, worship Him. Praise Him. I want to encourage you. Spend more time speaking words of your natural language of praise than spirit words of praise. If you want to speak to God about things and intercede and put matters before Him in your spiritual language, do that. But just as a matter of closing the gap, Speak words. Because I'll tell you what, if I went and spoke to my wife now, and I went into her, and I said, baby, I'm going to close the gap. She's going to say, mm. you know, I don't know what you're saying to me. Now, God knows what you're saying in the spirit. But there's a reason why he's given us love letters. And he's written love letters to us. Let us speak love words to him. Because our own soul, our own spirit hears that we are speaking love to God. We are closing the gap and praising Him. And it makes a big difference. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for allowing me to minister to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you.